if you will, uh, have a Bible open to Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 through 17, the uh, genealogy of Jesus Christ. Today, for a Christmas season message, we are going to look at this genealogy of Jesus Christ that Matthew records for us in the very opening of his gospel. I remind you that all of the Bible is the Word of God. All 66 books and all 1,189 chapters and all 31,102 verses are written by inspiration of God. And all of the Bible has been given to us by God for our profit. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful. I must confess to you, there was a time when I did not think that the portion of the Bible we will look at today was that devotionally useful. Uh, I mean, the genealogy of Jesus a list of ancient names. But I have come to see otherwise. And I would like to go over with you this morning some of the practical treasures that are found in the genealogy or family line of Jesus Christ of Matthew 1, 1 through 17. We will cover four lessons from these verses. Here is lesson number one. God always keeps his word. The genealogy of Jesus Christ points to the perfect faithfulness of God. Right after Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, God made the gracious promise of a savior from sin. A while later, God said that the savior would come from the seed of Abraham, that in Abraham all peoples on earth would be blessed, Genesis 12, verse 3. Then yet later, God said that the spiritual deliverer would be of the house or family of David, Isaiah 11, verse 1. The beginning verses of Matthew 1 tell us that God kept his word. He sent one, Jesus Christ, who would save his people from their sins. And Jesus Christ was the son of David and the son of Abraham. 
Notice verse 1 of Matthew 1. A record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Jesus, uh, he will save. Christ, anointed one, Messiah. A, a record of the genealogy of the one who would save. The Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. God is the absolutely reliable one. He always keeps his word. Here are three great verses in the Bible that affirm our first lesson. Numbers 23, 19, Psalm 145, 13, and Joshua 23, 14. Numbers 23.19 says, God is not a man that he should lie. There is no lying with God. What he says is true, and he fulfills. By the way, fulfilled is one of the key words in the Gospel of Matthew. Fulfilled, fulfilled. Fulfilled, fulfilled. God is not a man that he should lie. Psalm 145, verse 13. The Lord is faithful to all his promises. Semper fidelis, always faithful. That is what God is, always faithful to his promises. And Joshua in Joshua 23, verse 14, testifies to the children of Israel and us. You know with all your heart and soul that not one of all the good promises the Lord your God gave you has failed. Every promise has been fulfilled. Not one has failed. You know, those who are not lovers of, followers of the Lord God should hear these verses, should hear our first point and become quite sober. God will keep his word. Like Exodus 34, verse 7, God does not leave the guilty unpunished. Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death. However, those who are lovers of and followers of the Lord God, should hear these verses, should hear our first point, and take comfort and rejoice. Our Father in heaven will be true to all of his engagements. If he has said it, he will certainly do it. Like, whoever believes in his Son shall not perish, but have eternal life. Lesson one, God always keeps 
his word. Great is the faithfulness of God. A certain Christian man was uh, noted for his joy and bright attitude. Another Christian who was not so joyful and positive went to him one day and asked, how is it that you are so joyous? What's behind that? What, what's the cause? The first one replied, is God untrue to his word? No, said the second person. Well, that is why I am the way that I am. God has promised me eternal life because of faith in his son. He has said that he will always be with me. He will always take care of me. Why shouldn't I be joyous? God will make good every word that he has spoken. The genealogy of Jesus Christ points to that truth. And so let us remember that and take comfort and joy and strength for our lives from that truth. Lesson number two. There is a wideness in God's mercy. The genealogy of Jesus Christ also points to a, a great breath in God's salvation. The Bible tells us that God's salvation is great in depth. It comes into one's life and takes away a heart that is hard, a heart that is opposed to God, and gives that one a heart that loves God and wants to serve God. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. It further comes into one's life and forgives that one all of his sins, all of them, and clothes that one in the righteousness of Christ. It further comes into one's life and brings that one into the family of God for eternity, great in depth. Charles Wesley put it this way in his hymn, Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing my great Redeemer's praise. He breaks the power of reigning sin. He sets the prisoner free. His blood can make the foulest clean. His blood availed for me. But the Bible also teaches us that God's salvation is great, again, in its wideness, in its breadth, in its scope. And we are reminded of that here in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. 
When I look at the first 17 verses of Matthew 1, I see people listed from all walks of life and makeup. I see several who were kings. If you have your Bible open, like David in verse 6, and Solomon in verse 7, and Hezekiah in verse 10. And I see several who were not kings, like Judah in verse 3, and Nashon in verse 4, and Boaz in verse 5. I see people who were Jews, like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, verse 2. And I see people who were not Jews, like Tamar in verse 3, and Rahab in verse 5 and Ruth in verse 5. I see men listed. I see women listed. People of all sorts are mentioned. And again, I am reminded by this concerning God's salvation that there is a wideness in God's mercy as the waters cover the sea that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish. We can also learn from our Lord's genealogy that great is the scope of God's salvation. I remember reading about a student at Moody Bible Institute in Chicago by the name of Roy. Roy was a Christian, and so was his wife, Joanne. On the way home from a meeting, Roy and his wife walked past a burned-down apartment building. The fire was out, the excitement was over, uh, the police and a few scattered firemen were hanging around to clean up. Roy noticed an elderly Jewish couple huddling on the sidewalk outside the building. They looked confused, uh, bewildered. They were in great pain. He heard the woman say, where will we go? What will we do? Who will help us? Roy and his wife talked to them and discovered that they were now homeless and without friends. So they invited the couple to come and stay with them in their home. And Roy and Joanne made them as comfortable as possible. Then they shared their faith with them, their joy in knowing Jesus Christ. And both the husband and wife went on to accept Christ as their Messiah and invited him into their lives. Great is the breadth 
of God's salvation. Roy, Joanne, the Jewish man, the Jewish woman, Gentile, Jew, young, old. God saves all kinds of people. At, a, at an evangelistic meeting in Canada that I once read about, it seems that God worked unto salvation in the lives of these people who attended. A dental technician whose home life was a mess. A 42-year-old woman who was a Muslim. A chiropractor and his wife who drove 400 miles to attend the meeting. A young woman visiting Canada from Holland. A 14-year-old girl who attended the meeting to translate the message for her mother. And it was the daughter who responded to Christ. We are reminded from the genealogy of Jesus Christ that there is a wideness in God's mercy. John chapter 1, verse 12. It's a promise to all who receive him, meaning Jesus Christ, to those who believe in his name. He gives the right to become children of God. Again, that's a promise of God. And remember, God always keeps his word. Lesson number three. The calling of God is great. To help you to remember the outline, we've said so far that the faithfulness of God is great. The mercy of God is great. And now we want to say that the calling of God, or God's calling, is great. I'm using the word calling to refer to God calling people to serve him. God calling people to join him in the enterprise of his kingdom. And the idea of our third lesson is this. God has something for all of his people to do for him. God has a wonderful and significant use for every believer. I have in my library a book by the late Dr. Francis Schaeffer. It's a book of some of his sermons. The book is titled after the very first sermon in the book. And the title is, No Little People. And that first sermon is titled, No Little People, No Little Tasks. I like that. I like that for that tells me that every Christian, each 
Christian is important to God. We are all meaningful in reference to the kingdom of God. God wants to use every one of us who believes in Christ for his glory. And that is the third treasure, practical lesson. The calling of God is great. There are no little people, no little tasks. Veteran evangelist Vance Havner puts it this way. There are no trivial assignments in the kingdom of God. All Christians should do everything they are called to do as if they are great things. Because for God's glory, they are. Now, I take this third lesson of ours from our text in this way. Just in case you were thinking, nice lesson, but is it really there in Matthew 1? When you look over the names that are found in Matthew 1, 1 through 17, you see a good number of people that you know nothing about. For instance, what can you tell me about Hezron and Ram mentioned in verses 3 and 4? And Abiud and Eliakim and Azor of verses 13 and 14. What do you know about the Eleazar and Matham of verse 15? We really know nothing about these people, except this. They too were important to God for his plan to bring the Savior. These unknown people were also important to God for his plan to bring the Savior into the world for salvation. God had a significant use for them in reference to Christ. Lesson, God has a wonderful use for each one of us concerning Christ. There are no little people, there are no little tasks. Great, furthermore, is God's calling. I read once about a man in the hospital, and he was being visited, I'm going to assume, by his pastor. And during the visit, his pastor said to him, I have brought my Bible, and I would like to read to you from the Bible before I leave. Is there a location in the Bible you would like me to use? And the man replied, I would like you to read Matthew 1, verses 1 through 17. The pastor, I'm sure, was surprised. He had no doubt been asked to read far more familiar places during his visits, Psalm 23. But this man, 
actually asked for Matthew 1, verses 1 through 17 to be read. Before the pastor read, he said to the man, why? <laughs> why this? Quote, the man said, when I hear some of those names, it reminds me that though I may not be known to many others, I am known to God. And I might add, and are important to God for the glory of Christ. My friends, you are known to God, and you are important to God. Every act of kindness he wants you to do, every word of love he wants you to speak, every resistance to evil, each item is significant to God. And so, how am I in reference to God's calling of me? Am I living and working for him? Am I doing my part for his glory? To finish out our third lesson, I wonder if you would, even now, as you sit and listen, Say to the Lord God, show me what you want me to do. Challenge me with your will and empower me to do it. Last of all, for this morning, from our text, we can learn this lesson. Great is the warning of God. The genealogy of Jesus Christ gives us a great warning from God. Listen, it is sobering to notice that there are unsaved people in the family line of our Lord Jesus. That's right, you, you, you heard me correctly. Not all the persons mentioned in the genealogy of Jesus Christ of Matthew 1, 1 through 17, are in heaven. Rehoboam of verse 7 and Joram of verse 8 were wicked men. And so were Ammon of verse 10 and Jeconiah of verse 11. Someone has said some of the names we read in this catalog remind us of shameful and sad histories. Warning, we are not to think that because we are part of a church and have been baptized and have parents or spouses who are Christians, that we then are at peace with God. We can have all of those things, plus others, and still be lost. To be saved, we must repent of our sins, admit that we have sinned, admit that we are sinful, Admit that we need a Savior. 
hate the disobedience that we have in our lives against God and turn from our sin to the Lord Jesus and believe in him as Savior and Lord. I have told some of you in the past of the Scottish minister Thomas Chalmers. He was a genius. He was ordained before the legal age of ordination. He pastored a church. There, however, was one little thing that he had forgotten to take care of when he went into the ministry. He forgot to become a Christian. That's right. He was unconverted. He was a minister. He was a pastor. And he wasn't saved. He pastored his church unsaved for 15 years. And then the grace of God enabled him to repent and trust in Jesus Christ. But great is the warning of God. It is not by our own righteousness that we are saved, but only by trusting in the Lord Jesus. And it's sobering to see this too in our text, parents, that there are listed a number of godly parents alongside of ungodly children. I believe God would warn us from that, that we parents are not to take it for granted that our children will believe. We are not to assume that because we are saved, our children will be saved. We are not to assume that it is an automatic. It's not. We should be parents who are praying every day for our children and who are working to lead our children to Christ. Are you doing this? Parents, grandparents, are you praying for the children? Are you living the Christian life before the children? Are you speaking to the children about the Lord Jesus? Are you taking them to the means of grace? Well, there is our message of this morning. From the genealogy of our Lord Jesus, we may learn great is the faithfulness of God and the mercy of God and the calling of God. I'll say it again. No little people, no little tasks. And great is the warning of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, 
We ask that you'll take this word and make it seed. We pray that you'll plant this seed in each one of our lives and that the seed will go on to honor you and the Son and the Holy Spirit greatly. In Jesus' name, amen.